Today on Outflow, I'm joined by special guest Philip Stepp, and we're going to be looking at the topic of how God governs. Uh, so grab your Bible and everything you need to take notes, and we're going to get started. I'm Alan King, and this is Outflow. Welcome to Outflow. Today, I am so thrilled to be joined by my friend. And you know, I've been calling you special guest, but we're doing this enough now. You're just like just you're like a regular host here now. So uh, <laughs> uh, joined by Philip Stepp. And I'm excited to go where we're going today. We're going to be talking about how God governs. And uh, Philip, welcome to Outflow. Well, thank you. And I'm I'm looking forward to this. This is uh, it's interesting because you know we've had conversation that that the Lord has kind of taken us in in the same direction, but we haven't we haven't collaborated. We haven't, and and we get to talking, and it's like that's what He's saying to me. That's what He's telling me. <laughs> so I'm really excited about it because this is this is what the Lord has been dealing with me about. Praise so God. I'm excited to hear what you have to say, and uh, so um, how God governs. Well, I'm excited to be here. This is something I wish, you know, I've been studying for quite a few years, but I wish I'd have really got it in my spirit earlier. This is a this is a something that really blesses us. So I'm I'm praying that we can transfer some of this to people listening and they won't have to learn all the lessons a hard way. My tendency is I've learned a lot of hard lessons yeah. that if I'd have just paid more attention, I wouldn't have had to learn them the hard way. And but, you know that kind of relates to what we're going to be talking about because a lot of stuff that we go through as Christians is because we are not willing to be susceptible to to governance and and and, and the order of God, and and I'm like you, I've learned that lesson through the years, and I, I learn I do a whole lot better when I play according to His rules. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> and and the, the devil loves to get us to play badminton on the football field. Yeah, you know, and uh, it doesn't work very well when we do that. Right. You know, we have to know what the the rules of combat are in the spiritual realm well uh i'm gonna if it's all right i'd like to start with a prayer and it's a very sincere prayer uh i started praying it really hard uh, a dozen years ago or so saying lord i want to really know how your your kingdom operates how how things work you know and and you know i've been inundated with the worldly way of doing things and you know you and my both years ago decided that wasn't right so then i started asking the lord how do how do you rule how does your kingdom work and then i started observing people and i noticed that certain people seemed like they walked in blessings a lot and other people like they had a dark cloud over their head and there's a reason for curses if you now a lot let me say this right off before i pray not everybody who's walking under a curse it's not their fault could be generational could be a witch putting the curse on them it's not always that it's their fault but we need to identify the source of the curse because curses have a reason they're not random you know you talk to people and they act like well i'm just have bad luck well no i don't believe that you know so if it's all right i'd like to pray absolutely lord uh you want us to know how your kingdom operates. Yes. You want us to know how your things work, 
how you work, how we function in the kingdom, Lord. And and I just pray that for all of us as the ones that's listening and for me and Alan, that we just learn to walk more and more in the blessing side of the things rather than the cursing side of things. So we open up our heart and pray that you teach us, teach even me as I'm as I'm sharing, Lord. And and uh, I, I pray you guide Alan to ask the right questions and jump in and make the comments because, Lord, this is a big subject, but it's one that we want you to guide us and direct us. So we we listen to you, and we're wanting to relate what you have for us to hear. So we're just going to dive in, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to say the right things in the right way, and I pray for the ones that's hearing that you'll give them a, a revelation in the things they need to know. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I wanted to start simply with some of the things that we, we really know. I wanted to read in Galatians chapter 6. And most of us can quote this. 6-7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, this he will also reap. Do we believe that? That was my daddy's favorite verse when I was growing up. Oh, was it? He would say to me all the time, boy, you reap what you sow. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> it is so true. It is so true. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. And uh, this whole principle of sowing and reaping is probably one of the easiest ones for everybody to understand. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you sow a, a, a tomato seed, you get a whole bunch of tomatoes. Now, years ago, I, I did it three or four times, and I can't do it here today, but <coughs> I connived with my wife. And when I was teaching on this first, I'd take a tennis ball in, and uh, I'd, I'd throw her a tennis ball a time or two, and I'd throw her a tennis ball, and I'd say, look what I'm getting back, a tennis ball. Next thing, she had a little bit bigger ball beside her, and I'd throw it to her and then come back to me, the bigger ball. And it ended up a big beach ball by the time it was over. I said, see, that's the principle. Uh, I want to talk about maybe the difference between principles and laws, but that's the principle of sowing and reaping added with the principle of multiplication. You know, you sow a, a, a kernel of corn, you get several, a bunch of kernels of corn. So when these, when you begin to apply the laws of the principles of God together, the effects are absolutely astounding. Over a period of life, you know, when you get as old as we are, especially me, you look back and you say, that seed I sowed and watered has really brought good fruit. Or that's, unfortunately, some of the seeds I've sowed hadn't brought good forth fruit. So I, I got into the uh, what I was thinking today is I want to talk about a little bit. I'm not I'm not a great mathematician, but I want to talk a little bit sort of like statistics that we all know. And I know you know it. And uh, uh, a lot of people know this, and some don't. And the ones who don't think I'm lying. There's this. I want you to imagine with me for a second that you had a rich, eccentric uncle who was nearing the end of his days, and he pulls up at your house one day, and he says, you know, I'm trying to disperse my inheritance to my, my grandchildren and stuff. I've, I'm going to give you a choice. I'll give you a choice. I'll give you a million dollars right now. i got my checkbook. Or I'll give you a penny today, and I'll come back every day for 30 day, 31 days, and I'll double it. 
So the first day I come back and you give me your penny, I'll give you two. And the next day I give you, you give me two and I'll give you four. <clears throat> and it's amazing how many people say, I'll take the million dollars. Yeah. It's $10 million, $10.7 million, a penny <laughs> That's double. That's amazing. <laughs> it it takes 25 that. days or so to break even. to the. But once you get there and you start doubling a million dollars, it doesn't take long. That It's a, it's a, it's a natural – can I say this? It's a natural miracle of compound interest. Now, the banks don't charge uh, 100% each day. They charge 29%. A year and they're paying you half a percent that's the reason banks are rich and we're poor you know <laughs> you get on the wrong side of that curve it the, the growth can be exponential and a exponential curve just means that you know it's like the penny doubled it starts and it just sort of goes like this and all of a sudden it jumps up like that a lot of God's principles are his laws are like that they're exponential you use the word law, and immediately there are Christians that are like, I'm not under law. I'm not under law. We I, the people, I, I've seen the disdain in people's faces when I call this the rule book. Oh. Because they're like, I, I don't have any rules. You know, I'm under grace. I don't have any rules. The rules are for our benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, you t- what if you had a football team that didn't know the rules? They're not going to be successful. They're not. But we, we've got to, he gives us those rules to guide us into the, the best life. If we follow that, we get the best life. Well, I didn't know when I was going to say this, but I was really wanting to say it. Uh, just because you're spirit-filled doesn't mean the law of gravity doesn't work. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now you know, we laugh, but there's some there's some of these people out there right now in the spiritual world that's acting like the rule of gravity doesn't work. My God can do anything. Well, go jump off the top of the building if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, just because you're spirit-filled doesn't mean that laws don't take effect. Even Jesus. You know, when, the, when yeah. he went, the devil took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, throw yourself down. Jesus is like, are you crazy? <laughs> well, are you crazy? I'm not. <laughs> Don't do that, you know. And so uh, one of the things that our forefathers knew, the founding fathers, now some of them were deists and I don't know how, some of them were Christian, some of them were deists, different things, but they had some principles that they agreed with that we need to re- refresh. And one was the idea of natural law. Mm-hmm. You know, they are natural laws. And a natural law, uh, 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 we might get into this, a miracle is where God intervenes and changes the natural consequences that law would bring. Right. You know, and uh, if you get sick and you pray and he miraculously heals you, that's God's intervention. That's a miracle. Mm-hmm. But generally, we're under those those laws. You know, you jump off a building. And, it, and you learn these laws by godly people teaching you or smart people even, you know, teaching you. You don't, And you can go out and sit under an apple tree, and you don't see apples flying up. They fall down, yep. you know. And so you start saying, there's a reason for that. In fact, er- Isaac Newton. Yeah. <laughs> and the early, scient- early scientists were, uh, they observed the cosmos, the creation, and they said, it's orderly. Yeah. It's systematic. Oh, he's such a god of order. Oh, Oh, and, he, and they said, you know, I believe, a lot of them said, I believe we could study the creation in a scientific method and learn about our God. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the scientists got hijacked, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
you you can't you can't break. There, there are laws that can't be broken. That's right. Natural laws, spiritual laws, moral laws. You can't. They're 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 pretty well, pretty well etched. That's right. right. <laughs> That's right. And and uh, so in the physical world, gravity works unless it's overridden by a stronger law, mm-hmm. the law of thrust. And so somebody along the lines, I don't know, 80 years ago or so said, you know, if we could put thrust on this winged instrument, we could overcome the, the law of gravity. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, of course, the Eagle Saints, which we could talk about. I love the Eagle Saints. They just stretch out their wings and just soar, you know, and they ride the thermals up and stuff. So, but uh, you learn that. That's why you learn physics. You learn the laws of thermodynamics and motion and, and all that. And all that's good to know. And, uh, People who ignore it get in really a lot of trouble. So where I'm going from there is that there's also uh, natural – I don't know how to say it – natural social laws or psychological laws that said, you know, most cultures agree that bravery with its soldiers is a good thing. And they think that sleeping with another man's wife is a bad thing. There's those moral laws that are it, that not necessarily from our Judeo-Christian ethic. They just know it. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a tribe that's never heard of Jesus. They still yeah. have those same kind of laws. Yeah. And and uh, we, intuitively, we humans have something like that. When you have two small ch- children fussing over, he stole my he's he stole my toy. Well, that's a that's an acknowledgement that there's right and wrong. Right. And so you go, you go to the moral law, and then, then I, I like to go to the, the law of God. And it's sad that people think they're – we're not saved by the law, but we can't break the law. It breaks us. Just because you're a spirit-filled Christian and you're praying all day, you can't commit adultery without paying the price. Right. You can't – you know, and it bothers me because uh, – the fundamentalist background, whether it be Pentecostal fundamentalism or the Baptist fundamentalist, you know, I'm a fundamentalist. I believe that I'm a fundamentalist when it comes to the Word of God. But they sort of created the ultra grace era because of their hardness, because of their legalism, you know, and and they they had opinions about what they needed to do to be holy that wasn't necessarily in line with the Word of God. Oh yeah, I grew up in that. <laughs> and, and looked good, felt good, smelled good, tasted good. It was fun to do. It was sin, you know. And so there had to be, I, I think, in their in our effort to balance that, the pendulum swung yes. to where everything was okay. I'm praying that you and I can be a plumb line. Yeah. You know, and and when I get around somebody that's in the ultra grace thing, I get a little, <laughs> I get a little legalistic, you know. Yeah. And when I get around somebody legalistic, I go a little way the other way. <laughs> and my daughter actually said, uh, "Daddy, you you tend to to try to pull people back to the center." Yeah. And you've said it before. You know, there is a balance in this. And w- one of the things that we run into, one of the uh, Francis Schaeffer, I think it was, who who gave me this concept. He said. If you could picture, I don't know if you can see on the on the screen, we're sitting in front of a round table, and if right in the center of the table was absolute truth. Well, 
And when we come into the we come into this sphere of truth, darkness and light, we come into this sphere from all different directions. Mm-hmm. You came from a direction, I came from an opposite direction, and we're meeting. Yeah. You know, isn't that exciting? Oh, yeah. Well what the devil does is let's take the gifts of the spirit, which is easy for us to understand. Uh, you know, I didn't come in uh Understanding that, that the people that were teaching me were cessationalists, you know, it, it, they just never mentioned it. I didn't know what cessationalism was or anything. But anyway, so I came in here, and all of a sudden I started reading the scriptures, and it began. I began to move this way. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what the devil does? He jumps in and tries to get you stalled so that you won't make it to that absolute truth in that element, you know, in that sphere. Well, and then when he dis- when you're so determined and he determines that he, you know, he's not going to stop you, you know what he does? He gets behind you and pushes you off the other end. He doesn't care which <laughs> end of the, of, the, of the sphere you fall off of. Because I was over here. Yeah. You were over there. I, that, I mean, I, I, was, you know, I was Pentecostal nine months before I was born. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I, but look where we are now, and that, that's the important thing. And and we have to be conscious that we're not letting the devil push us to the opposite extreme. Yeah, yeah. And there there is that 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 balance that says, you know, this this is this is how we get here. Mm-hmm. Um, so and one way we get here is we talk to people. With with respect that differ with us, mm-hmm. I've learned a lot from people who I think their theology is off, but they've got some points that I like to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I so I just kind of pick it. Say I'll take that. I'll take that. And uh, but but it, but in order to do that, you got to know you you've got to have a, a a grasp on the word. Because you can get into error if you're oh, not yeah. careful, and, and it sounds good because it, it's it's from you know it's the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, if you take the Bible out of context, you can get out of balance really fast. And and, and really, when you think about it, it's context, mm-hmm. context. Oh, I love context. That. Yeah, it's it's. It, and we were talking last night. I said often I'll start say I'm going to go to Romans twelve one. Next thing I know, I work backwards and I end up. I can't I can't start in twelve one. I have yeah. to start in eleven five. You know, and then and it works backwards. But um, people, t- you can prove a lot of different things from the Word of God if you don't know the totality of it and if you yeah. don't take it in context. And uh, uh, one of the things you may have heard me say that I tell people it it saddens me. You get around somebody who's experiencing a tragedy, a death of a child or something, you know, and they'll, and I've heard people say, well, you know, all things work together for good. Well, that's not true. Right. It doesn't say that. Go, go ahead. Go. I, you know, no, go. One of, one of these days, and I think we discussed this a little bit, one of these days I want to come in here and I want to talk about things we believe about the Bible that are not, not true, true about the Bible. About, about the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, go jump over this church. That's right. You you can't, you know. Uh, but anyway, I'm sorry. I no, no, no. I, I, I need you today because I, I told him before we started, I said, you got to keep, keep me in the rails. I'm so excited about this. I could go in a lot of different directions. But – uh, and given those as a basis, I wanted to mention something that uh, uh, has really helped me a lot. And even this last week, I was saying, Lord, help me to to live out what I believe with regards to some of these. Now, sowing and reaping is one of the easiest ones to pick up on. And, and 
we learned that a pretty good long time ago, probably yeah. both of us. A lot of you probably picked up on sowing and reaping, you know, that if you sow bitterness, you'll get it back. And um, uh, one of them that's sort of tied into that is reciprocity. And that means, you know, you can use different ones. Given it'll be given to you. Judge not that you be judged. Reciprocity just means that in general, you get back what you give. Mm-hmm. Now, since I am a person that is in great need of mercy, as you know, you'd agree with me, I'm in great need of mercy. Ain't we all? I need to be a dispenser of mercy because as I dispense mercy, I re- tend to receive mercy back. Mm-hmm. Now, Yesterday, I think it was, I got involved in something I hadn't thought of much, was that with with regards to God, giving to be given back to you is a law. You give to God, you give give as unto God, he will do it. It is a law with him. With mankind, because people are fallen and because some people are renegades and lawless, it doesn't always work. I have given to people uh, in good faith, and they turn around and want more, or you know, rob what you got. I mean, you know, so with with regards. Now, this is just me, so you have to judge it. I may be off the wall here, but to me, it seems like that a lot of the these things, like reciprocity and and uh, uh, giving and use and those kind of things, work perfectly with God as a law but when it with regards to people it's more like a principle mm-hmm. i went to frisbee's in old fort one sunday saturday morning and i grew up in old fort knew a lot of people and i i was studying this i think and i thought i'm gonna smile and speak to everybody and uh, so i got out and it was crowded as a saturday morning pre-morning and i and I, I smiled and spoke i don't know it was a good experiment uh there were several people that looked real harsh and I smiled and spoke. What what they give me? They they smiled and spoke back to me. Now some people didn't. Some people just I don't I, know. I probably wouldn't because I'm not a morning person. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> that could be it. Yeah. But but in general, in general, when you give a smile, a smile, you get a smile back. Right. Absolutely. And and so that's a with people. I'm just saying. I think it's a principle. With God, I think it's more of a law. Yeah. You know, if you give unto God, he's you're not going to outgive him. Yeah. And that's the, you know that's one that only well it is the only time that I've found in the Word that He says, "Prove me." Oh, prove me. Prove me in this, and uh, and I have proven to Him, and it works. It works. It works. <laughs> and it is totally flip flop. From what we think, yeah. let's go. Let me go there. Let's go to Luke for just a second. Let me read this. It's just so good. Luke chapter six. I spent the first, I don't know, ten or fifteen years of my Christian walk not as a pastor, uh, as a student. I was determined, and I go back to my old Bibles, and I realize it in my early days it was just trying to figure out who jacob was <laughs> you know it, was, it took me a long time to figure out who the characters in the bible when it said something and it took a, quite a bit of work so in my first bible it was more like uh, outlines you know i'd put you know and then in my second bible it started being a little more uh 
uh, preachy. <laughs> and if, if you look at my Bible today, there's a lot of comments that I write in the margin of my Bible, so I'll remember it if we go to that place. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I love the Word, and the Word really gets us uh, where we need to go. I just want to read this, and uh, this ties into uh, this whole thing of spiritual laws. And in Luke 6, well, let me start in Luke six thirty one. Treat others in the same way you want to be them to treat you. The golden rule, doing others as you would have them doing to you. Mm-hmm. And that generally works, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always work right. with people. Yeah. Are, are you following my oh, logic? Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say that's a principle that generally works, but renegades are excluded. Mm-hmm. Lawless people. Uh, if, somebody, if somebody breaks into my house to rape my wife, I'm going to shoot them. You know, uh, so, uh, you know, you can't say I'm going to show mercy to that person that's holding a knife to my wife's throat. You know, they, they, you, there's exclusions. Yeah. So they work with with some exceptions. Mm-hmm. Now, let me go to the, the giving part. Uh, well, 36 says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged and do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Give and it be given to you that. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by the measure, the, the standard of your measure, it will be measured to you in return. Mm-hmm. So jump in here, but the point I'm making is that I want to talk about a different kind of curve for a second, and most of us are familiar with It's called a bell curve. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because like a, like a bell that's flipped up. Uh, you know, it's a bell would be like this, and you flip it up, and well, it it starts just a few few occurrences, and then it usually a standard bell curve goes up in the middle, and the average is right in the middle. It reaches a peak, and it comes back, and it goes over the air. Well, I looked up yesterday just so I could sound smart. What's <laughs> what's the average age of an American? In in twenty twenty, it was about seventy nine years. So on average, an American person will live about 79. Women live a little bit longer, and men don't live quite as long. Mm -hmm. So with the bell curve, the point I'm wanting to make is that if you live to be 90, you're on the blessing end of it. If you die at 32 of a drug overdose, you're on the low end of it. Mm -hmm. And so curses have a cause. And so part of wisdom is to look at and see, you know, what these people that are blessed do and what the Bible teaches, but, but also observe. Mm-hmm. Observe people that are blessed. And, and what, what are people that are operating under that dark cloud? And then you have to discern what's the cause of it. Is it generational? Is it uh, uh, poor habits? Is it uh, demonic attack? Are they under witchcraft? You know, you have to determine the source of it. But I think part of our job as ministers is to try to help people take back their life so they can get back to at least the average. Yeah. And and I think there comes that time when you have to look at it and say, nobody knows the trouble I'm seeing. Yeah. There's got to be a cause. Got to be a if, cause. If it just constantly, and I know you know bad days come. All of us. All have of bad us days. have. But once it gets to the point that you are constantly under oppression, sometimes you just got to say, "Time out." Yeah. What's what is causing this? There is a cause, uh, cause and effect. And uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think you you have to stop and say, um, "What what's 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 bringing this into my life." 
and then you can deal with it. Yeah, identify the source. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my troubles have been self-inflicted. Yeah. Well, again, whatever we we sow, that's what we're going to reap. That's right. We're and, sowing bad stuff. And so, yeah. <coughs> You can only give out what you have. Mm-hmm. And the, God's Word says He gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have grace, you have to be humble. And part of that humility, which is hard for humans, is to realize that I'm not yet there. I'm not yet perfect. And we were kidding earlier about, uh, I told the pastor, I said, you know, you're pretty good. You're you're probably right 75% of the time. And he gave me this hurt look, you know, <laughs> just I'm playing. And and uh, I said, and I, if I hit 75%, I'm doing really well. Oh, yeah. And if you can correct my 75%, then I'll be perfect. And, and see, we, uh, humility helps us to get on the right side of the curve because if you can't, well, you know, Einstein wasn't it, said he'd do the same thing over and over and yeah. expect a different result. And I see people that's living in the cursing side of life and they don't, they refuse to change. Yeah. And you, uh, and it can be, it can be physical as well as spiritual. Now, don't get mad at me. Don't get angry, but quit drinking soft drinks. I mean, you know, even diet drinks. You know, soft drinks, uh, there's so much sugar in a soft drink. You yeah, know, I, I tell my kids all the time, there is absolutely zero nutritional value it's in those things. So what's what's the point? Uh, you know, and, you know, there's one thing about sowing and reaping I've noticed, yeah. too. And you and, and you were you were almost you were it seemed like you were going there that you never reap exactly what you sow you always reap more Uh than you sow yes always always i I, we had a garden this year we planted some squash i put one squash seed in the ground i got a bunch of squash one of my favorite sayings is i can count the seeds in an apple but i can't count the apples that's good that's good and and you all and and that's that's in a good way and a bad way that you always reap more than you sow. And see, that's important. It's in a good way and it's in a bad way. Yeah. Though you know, the word says you you sow to the wind, you reap the world. Whirlwind. Always reap more than you sow. And so we gotta be careful what we sow. Because there are laws. It's a law. It's a law. Yeah. It's a law. And uh uh that's the easiest one to understand, I think, maybe. Uh, let me just read this because I beat around the bush a little bit about it. But in, in, And I understand that Proverbs is a little bit different than Paul's writings. You know, the, the Proverbs uh, is a little bit of human wisdom. Uh, I think it's inspired word of God. I think it's in there for a reason. But in, in uh, Proverbs 26, it says, Like a sparrow in its uh, flitting, like a swallow in its flying, so a curse without cause does not lie. Right. I think I think that's a pretty strong principle. Yeah. So if you're operating in the darkness, if things seem to keep, you know, and you hear people say this, and they, I used to do this a lot. I need to do it more often. I used to say, that sounds like, that sounds like, and they'll say, I'll never forgive them. Mm. That sounds like unforgiveness. Let's deal with unforgiveness because this that you want me to pray for this sickness over here, it's very likely rooted in unforgiveness. 
even to say, I forgive you, but I'm not going to forget oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's unforgiveness. That's not forgiveness. Yeah. God forgives, and then he, the God who cannot forget chooses not to remember. Right. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> and then you hear people say, uh, uh, my mama died of breast cancer. My two sisters died again at breast cancer. Oh, stop it. Yeah. Stop that curse right now. Exactly. I hear it all the time. All the time. Yeah. And and they're good, sincere people. Right. But unless people like me and you pointed out, it's not as obvious. I, I, I hope that you and I take biblical truths and make it simple so people can look at that and say, now, there's reasons that people don't want to listen to me. Uh, I sound like a hillbilly sometimes <laughs> and different things. But the fact is you have to look past it, what people are saying sometimes, and try to analyze it, you know. And I've, I've, I try not to make people angry, honest, but I, I'm willing to, as you know. And, and I tell people, quit drinking your soft drinks. And they say, well, I'm drinking diet drinks. I said, that's worse than it's drink worse. the other, you know. Yeah. And, and, and uh, uh, so it's not I'm trying to boss them or manipulate them. I'm just trying to help them because, you know, if, if you have high blood sugar and you're drinking two drinks, two Pepsis a day, you're, you're blowing your carbs right out of the water, you know. And so there's wisdom in that. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's spiritual. And sometimes it's – and, you know, and some of the curses are generational. Yeah. If 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 – your mother and two sisters all died of breast cancer. There's probably a generational aspect that we need to go in and try to deal with. If yeah, in in my family, um, my my grandfather was a, a bootlegger. Uh, his father before him was a brewer. He was from Germany, and he came here and brewed beer. That's what he did. And they all became alcoholics. My dad became an alcoholic. Um, I had a terrible drinking problem when I was a teenager. Mm. So you can see it just follows, and there comes a point. My my dad actually, when when he came to the Lord, he said, "This this has got to stop." Um, in my own life, I had to say, "This has got to stop." We and and you see that's, and I hear preachers all the time say, "There's no such thing as generational curses." How do you get that? How can you not see the evidence of that in so many lives through sickness and addiction and. Uh, all kinds of things. Well, and go back to the Ten Commandments. You know, the blessings go down through what a, a thousand generations, yeah. and curses through five or something. You know, yeah. and so even in the Word of God, it talks about the generational blessings and curses. Yeah, yeah. I'm reaping benefits right now uh, from my, at least my grandfather's. You know, yeah. that generation, probably my great grandfather's generation. They made choices that made it easier for me to become part of the kingdom. Right. Yeah. And other other people, their parents made choices that made it very hard for them to come into the kingdom. But God can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, He can come in, and if if you're willing by faith, you can escape those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me just read a quick list of some of these spiritual principles, and not go into detail. We could teach on all of them, but one of the ones that 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 I sort of people teach about it, but I'm sort of one that said this is like a spiritual law. And it's a law of transformation. Hmm. The, you become like the God you worship. Wow. That's, that's Psalm 115. And, and over in Hosea, it says, you became just as detestable as Baal. Yeah. So what happens is there is a law that you tend to become like the God you worship. Now, for our culture today, I'd like to interject this, is that you can tell who our gods are by the way we act. Absolutely. Yeah. And so 
we are transformed as we behold his glory. And so, <laughs> excuse me, there's a, there's a great power in heartfelt worship. Yeah. It transforms us from glory to glory. Yeah. And it's not the music. It's not the nightclub atmosphere. It's the heart that worships. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I like to dance and jump. I used to dance a lot before I got a little bit older, and you know, uh, I'd even play a guitar and dance across the stage. I could even, you know, but uh, as I've gotten a little bit older, I find that a lot of times, uh, when God's really speaking to me, I I'm quiet. Yeah, but it's transformational. Mm-hmm. So I like that thing about the transformation, and that uh, we have to be careful that we worship the right God. I think I'll say this. You know, you're probably familiar with this, but when when Moses came off the mountain with the Ten Commandments and the children of Israel were having an orgy in front of the golden calf, which was one of the signs of Baal. That was one of the, you know, that they'd worship in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Well, tradition says that they took the tetragram Yahweh and they actually engraved those letters on that golden calf. And Aaron, to back that up, Aaron said, oh, uh, this is a God that got us out of Egypt. The point is, calling a false God by the proper name of God does not make a false God the true God. Wow. So true. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm getting a little better at it. I'm praying I'll do better is ask questions. Like when somebody says something about Jesus, I say, well, tell me about Jesus. And when you start hearing what people think about Jesus, a lot of times you realize that they're sincere. They've just got the wrong Jesus. Yeah. And and the Bible in a couple of places says, if anybody comes to you preaching a different Jesus, wow. I mean, I, I'd, like, I'd like to go on with that. I mean, that would preach, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah. If they, if they come, just because they use the name of Jesus. Just because you're singing about Jesus doesn't mean that you're worshiping Jesus, right. you know. Well, even the cults, I, when I was in college, uh, one of the classes that I took was was to study cults, and it's amazing how many cults make Jesus sound just like our Jesus. Oh yeah, um, but when you get to looking, you realize they've just put a new tag on a new god, or yeah. an old tag on a new god, yeah. just like you were talking about. Yeah, um, and it's not the Jesus that we serve, um, but but they're they're drawing millions of people because um, we we just. We don't. That one sounds better because it's it becomes like a graven image that I have made Jesus to be what I'm comfortable with. Yes. I mean, that, that way, I don't have to play by the it sort rules. of tickles our ears. Yeah, I don't have to play by the rules. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, I was privileged. I've been privileged to be around a lot of religious folks, and. When I was with Max Factor down in Oxford, they had moved to a distribution center from Utah, and there were a bunch of Mormons. And I was a distribution engineer for a while, and I traveled with them. They beat the socks off us Christians in terms of being nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, 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 they're wonderful people. Mm-hmm. I would live in a neighborhood with Mormons and be so happy. But what happens is when you start talking to them, it doesn't take you long to realize that they worship a radically different Jesus who had a brother named Lucifer. Yeah. 
and one volunteered to be the good guy and one you know and so you when you start talking to them it was a it was a it was a it wasn't that it was a difficult conversation because of them it was just a difficult conversation because they were so wrong yeah and they were so nice yeah i don't mind dealing with mean people that are wrong but dealing with nice people that (laughs) (laughs) i understand go ahead you got another yeah you just you just want to say you know you if you would be such a wonderful christian brother if you would just get your jesus right (laughs) i told one one time i said i'd be a lot meaner than you if i couldn't drink any caffeine (laughs) and and really they were they were nice people oh yeah and 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 I would be their neighbor in a skinny minute, but unfortunately, they're going to hell. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think a lot of Catholics have the wrong Jesus. Yeah, and it makes me sad. Uh, so transformation is a big one. Another one that's really a soapbox that I that I like to get on is unity. Uh, you know, that, at the Tower of Bible, Babel, that God said they can do anything they want to because they're in unity. Yeah. And then over in John chapter 17, in different places, we're commanded that it's more important that we'll be in unity. And it, Jesus said that if if they would be one like you and I are one, the world would know that you sent me. The greatest form of our Christian evangelism would be unity. And it's the thing the devil fights the hardest. Yeah. And I, I admit, you, you you can relate to me, I know, because you've been around me. I have a lot of trouble knowing where to draw the line of when do I confront untruth within the church. Because we have to stand for the truth. Have to. Yeah. But you but 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 unity is critical, but but false doctrine and bad doctrine causes people to lies. It, it divides. It divides. It does. Yeah. I, you know, and I always, I, I don't refer to our Father who art in heaven. I, I don't refer to that as the Lord's Prayer. No, we call it that. But there's a line in there where Jesus says, "Forgive us our trespasses." Jesus had no reason to ask forgiveness. I think the real Lord's Prayer is when He said, "Father, make them one as we are one," um, because that was it. And that was one of the last thing, the last recorded prayer that we have of Jesus on the earth was praying for unity. Mm. It was that important to him. And and to me, that's powerful. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of these days, uh, if the Lord tarries, we might want to go to John 14 through 17 and, and take a week or two on just that. I'm up for uh, it. It is really wonderful. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and I told somebody one time and their eyes glazed over, I said, that's a totally different message than he ever preached. Yeah. Sermon on the Mount the Olivet Discourse, and then all of a sudden, when they became the church, I mean, you know, they were getting ready, he changed it. Mm-hmm. That was a message to the church, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I think I think one of the one of the greatest tools for unity is confrontation. Yes, um, because when you see, and, and we see that Paul dealt with it, Peter dealt with it several times. Jesus dealt with it when even even through Revelation. Um, when he said, you know, he he talked to the, it dealt with the individual churches, and he even talked about the Nicolaitans. Yes, and he said, "You hate their doctrine. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. I do too." Yeah, and and the problem was it was causing division in the church because they were saying 
And the Nicolaitans were saying, there are no laws. Yeah. You can do whatever you want to do. There's no laws. And Jesus said, I hate that thinking. Well, and uh, in my experience, and most all humans have a little little thread of Jezebel in them. Yeah. <laughs> and and we have to deal with that in ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, there's some real serious consequences if a church does not deal with Jezebel. Absolutely. And over the years, I've been uh, confronted. And when I, when I get around somebody manifesting that spirit, I'm not real uh, easy on them. Right. Because... I, I, I don't want to, but I've got some friends, I think, that are on their deathbed because they tolerated the spirit of Jezebel. And it's not sexual. I mean, it can be, but it's not It's not that. It's manipulation and control. Yeah. And there's a lot of people try to manipulate and control you, you know, and me. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I don't relate well to it. So we have to, we, for the, we know, I, I think I'm going to, I might hit this Wednesday week a little bit as, it's time for the men to stand up and protect their family. We have advocated to the women and for too long. And I have a great sense of protection. And uh, you do too. I want to protect the flock, but I don't want to manipulate and control them, but I want to protect them. And I think it's time for the men to stand up and say, we need to be the protectors to keep the evil from coming in. In, uh, There's a verse in Jude that says, contend for the faith that was delivered to you. And so, Lord, help us. Help me. Help me to know how to walk that line, that plumb line, to where I I let a lot of stuff go that can be let go, but there's some things can't be let go. Right, yeah. And, and Jesus is okay with that because he was confrontational. Yeah, he was confrontational. And, and uh, uh, there's there's a difference in being mean yeah, but be, uh, and, and being firm to contend. Uh, well, conf- truth by its very nature is confrontational. Yeah. And I quote this to some of the fringe charismatics out there. I, I, I need to confess I am no longer consider myself a charismatic. Uh, they they have gone so far, most of them, into <laughs> prosperity and all the yeah. stuff that I have. A lot. I love them. I think they're going to heaven, but they just I don't like I don't like what they're teaching, you know. And uh, so, what I say to some of the some of the ones out there on the fringe, I say, you know, there's only uh, the Greek doesn't have two words for truth. It doesn't have truth and reality. It has one word. And and so you could say, Jesus could say, I'm the way, the reality, and the life. The reality. And so I say, you know, I think Jesus is going to bring our illusions into, uh, you know, into conformity to reality. And I think as Christians, I liked what you said Sunday morning. I really liked it when you said, I'm not a doomsayer, I'm a realist. And see, the reality is what we have to be striving for. Absolutely. And uh, to, to wrap this up, I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I, I love for people to bring up conflicting viewpoints when they do it in a right attitude. Yeah. If you know, and when they come and say, "Let's talk about it," oh man, it, it, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go study for three hours to talk to them about it. I've learned so much when people confronted me, yeah. And and there's a, uh, but I don't react well 
when I'm around somebody, I, say, I just believe that God, I had a dream, and in that oh, dream, oh, oh. and I don't do well. Okay, so if you're listening, don't do that to me. Don't 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 do it unless you expect me to not be as spiritual maybe as I ought to be. Because if it's not in the Word, that, that's always my first response. Show me that in here. Yeah, you know, I had a woman tell me one time. She said, "The Lord showed me where demons came from." I said, okay. Uh, first, she wanted to know. She said, where did, where, did demon, where do you think demons came from? Of course, I told her what my belief was. She said, no, the Lord showed me that demons are the souls of aborted babies. And my first response was, show me that in here. Yeah. If you got Bible to back it up, you know, we'll talk. But uh, there's, there's a rule book. There's, there's guidelines here. <laughs> you know, it's God's way of... Uh, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I love the way the Amplified puts that. It says, seek first God's way of doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Well, I'm just going to say this because uh, I may not have a chance to again, but the, the law of God did not originate on Mount Sinai. Oh, that's good. That's good. It originated in the heart of God. Yeah. It's always existed. Yeah. And so you couldn't you couldn't murder somebody before Moses on the mount. Yeah, just ask Cain. Yeah. And so what happens is when you talk about the law of Moses, we're no longer saved by keeping the law. But when you read the Sermon on the Mount, which I think is Jesus's constitution, it's a lot harder than the law. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm I'm under a, a much I'm under the law of spirit of, of life in Christ Jesus. I'm under a, a, a more severe law than somebody who tries to keep the feast and all that, you know. Yeah. And that's okay, but, but it's, it's rough because the, the, the Ten Commandments generally said, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And the Sermon on the Mount said, I'm looking at your heart. Yeah. You remember one of the prime examples, Ten Commandments say, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said, if you even look at a woman and it's in your heart, you've already done the act. It's as if you've already done the act. That's, whoa, that takes it to a whole new level. <laughs> well, well, what, I'm, what, what I've been saying a lot, I've said it to you a time or two, is that there's a lot of things we Christians say we believe that we don't practice. Wow. Repentance is one of them. Mm-hmm. We say we believe in repentance, but I see very little repentance. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, uh, that's true. I, I, when I start reading the Word of God, I repent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, I, I'm not finished, but I'm through. Oh, so. there's so much. Well, <laughs> so we could go so far. I was sitting here thinking, are we, are we going to be able to finish this this time? Because there is so much. <laughs> no I, way to finish. No <laughs> yeah, way to finish. Yeah. We apologize we couldn't finish. My wife likes for me to put a bow on things. I'm not good at putting bows on it. <laughs> I really, I really like it. I got a phone call a couple of weeks ago and, and uh uh, I'll tell you who it was. It was, it was my good friend Brent. He mm-hmm. he called me and said, "You know, I've been I can't get what you said off my mind. Said I've been pondering on it. So we got to talk some more. That is that causes me to go up into the second heaven at yeah. least, if not the third. Because what happens is my goal is not to try to put a bow on stuff. It's just to get people." mind pondering thinking you know so i hope you got some things to ponder on today i i love it when we do this and we get so much response 
makes me a little jealous because when I do these by myself, I don't get nearly the responses I do when you're here. Of course, you got a big fan club. That's yeah, what I, do. I do. Uh, but but I I absolutely because it challenges me. Um, I, one of the things that, that I've I, I don't I if I haven't said this, I need to say it to you uh, that that you do challenge me in a good way. Uh, because of of your depth of the word, it causes me to say, Lord, I want to go look more at that. I want to I want to go deeper in that. Um, and I, I love your your heart for the word of God. Thank you. And I I just absolutely love it when you're here and um, and and I, I just I glean so much personally when we're able to do this. I I love discussing the word. Mm-hmm. I love to read it and study it for myself, but I love it when I can sit down with 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 my brothers in the Lord and we can we can just reason together the, the word. I the love to eat, yeah, but I'd rather talk about the word. I'll, I'll forego eating to talk about the word of the Lord. Oh, there's good. nothing besides my personal private time. There's nothing that gives me more joy than discussing with a with a hungry person or a godly person or a learned person the word of God. Yeah. So, I don't care if they don't know much. If they're hungry, man, I, I mean, I'll stay with you all day if you're hungry. Yeah. Job, you know, I love what Job said, Thy word, Lord, I esteem more than my necessary food. Yeah. That's a powerful statement. Um, well, would it be all right if I pray? Absolutely. Lord, uh, I feel like I've, we've covered a lot of territory. Maybe I just pray that you take these things that we've been saying and that you consolidate them in people's mind. And Lord, I know it's my prayer, and I would pray for everybody listening that that uh, we would want to know how your kingdom operates. And, Lord, we do know that the world operates on a totally different plane, and what people value in the world is not what we value. Uh, Alan and I don't value success in men's eyes, and we don't value being millionaires, and we don't value sports cars. We value... Uh, the things that are eternal. And, I, Lord, I think it's not going to be long till there's going to be a harvest. Yes. There's going to be a harvest in our lives of what we've sown. Yes, Lord. So, Lord, for everybody that's listening today, Lord, I just pray that they will be conscious of sowing and reaping and that before they say that word or before they criticize or before they curse or before they take that drink or whatever it is, They'll understand, they'll say, what is the fruit of this going to be? What am I going to reap by doing this action? So, Lord, it's not legalism as much as just obedience. Help us to know thy word, know thy law, know how things operate, and help us to walk in that in Jesus' name. Amen. Philip, it's been great having you in the studio today. And I'm glad that you you have chosen to make Outflow part of your day. Uh, if you have a question or a topic that you'd like for us to discuss, just email them to us. The email address is very simple. Uh, it's outflow at outflow.online. Outflow at outflow.online. We'd love to have questions or topics that you'd like to hear us discuss from a biblical perspective. I'm going to ask you to do a couple of favors for me. First of all, uh, whatever platform you're using to either watch or listen to this podcast, please subscribe to our channel. Just There's a little button down there. Just click on it. Just subscribe. That helps us. And tell your family and friends. Spread the word. We'd love for for, for them to uh, come be a part of, of Outflow as well. Um, I'm Alan King. 
Evening with my good friend Philip Stepp coming to you from the studios of River of Life Church in Valdez, North Carolina, where I have the privilege of serving as lead pastor of just some of the finest, uh, most Christ-like folk that I've ever met in my life, and I'm just privileged to be a part of it. If you're in the Valdez area, if you know where that is, just don't blink because mm-hmm. you'll miss it. Uh, but if you're in the area sometime, we'd love for you to stop by and worship with us. Uh, but uh, we, we um, God is up to some wonderful things. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining Outflow today. Now, get out there and be blessed. And while you're at it, be a blessing.